Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that there is more to come. And I thank you, Father, that when we put our faith and our trust in you, we put our future in you, we put, we believe that you are who you say you are, and that you'll do what you say you'll do. Father, we thank you so much this morning for your amazing grace, for your love for us. And Father, that we put our faith and our trust in you, not in the world, not in anything around us, Lord, not in our governments, not in our our um, jobs, but just in you, Father. Not in any one person, not in any people, but in God our Father, who placed his love inside of us, who placed his, who brought, sent his son, who came and became the ultimate sacrifice for us. So, Father, I thank you so much for that this morning. I thank you for your many blessings. I thank you for what you have in store for us. I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that the anointing be upon your word this morning. That every word that comes from my mouth is, is from what you would have me to say, Father. I would listen and I would hear and I would speak what you have, not what I have. So, Father, I thank you for that and I praise you for that. And I give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's um, amazing how good God is this morning. Amen? It's amazing what God can do. And, you know, it's been, this week has been one of the most tiring, <laughs> crazy weeks I've had in a while. You know, because, you know, when you like me, you know, you just keep getting younger and younger you get, the easier it is, right? But I, I want to thank everybody. I want to say a little special thanks to Kevin and Matt who came and helped us. Without them, the carpet would start, probably still be over there because we needed a bulldozer almost to get that stuff. And James, James came, and you can ask him. Us older guys did good, didn't we? We really did. Um, I'm sure some people's arms are still tired, but I, I think it's awesome. We've been wanting to do this for a long time, praise the Lord, and it looks good, and it's brightens. Th you notice how it brightens things up? You went down one of these hallways, like, whoo, we can see now. And um, so I, I, I'm just excited. I thank everybody that had a hand in it. If I missed saying your name, forgive me and love me. I, I want to say, usually when I was telling, we, we meet and pray in the mornings, and I was talking to them about how, you know, when you preach a sermon like perseverance, okay, do you know that the enemy tries to do everything he can <laughs> to thwart that and to make it harder for you to do? But you know what? It's, it's like this. We just rise up from what's on the inside of us. And so we're talking about perseverance. And also, I almost named it pressurized. But so we're going to talk about pressure but from a different angle than what you may think. And so the definition I have for perseverance is steady persistence in a course of action, a purpose, a state, etc. especially in spite of difficulties, obstacles, or discouragements. We ever run into those things? Oh, yeah. Well, did we run into those things in this? You know, then it, all of a sudden it escalated. The guys were a day late getting here. We weren't sure they were going to get finished. And then all these things started happening, and I started getting phone calls, and I spent 
two or three hours on the phone Saturday dealing with different things. Oh, we found this, we found that. But you know what? So in, in, in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, in the New Living Translation, it says this. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved things, that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. And see, that's a lot is what we focus on. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. You know, we have a calling to a heavenly prize. We, we have a calling that. And, and it brought me to this word of pressures, pressurized and what that means. And, you know, when we think of pressure, we think about all the pressure against us and coming on this. And, you know, I be, how many of you believe in divine appointments? That God sets up divine things. Well, I'm watching uh, a, t a teacher on, I was watching the second part of, uh, of, of um, a teacher, Bible teacher, and I switched to another channel. And uh, a man, which some of you may know, and I don't listen to him all the time, but I listen to his name, David Jeremiah. I'll tell you, I about fell out of my chair. Really, because the exact minute I switched, he was talking about pressure. So let me just, I, I want to first give you a definition. I have a pre pressurized means, and then we think of to design, to resist pressure. Now this wasn't part of what he was saying. This one little thing I'm going to share with you he had in his sermon. So pressurizes to design, to resist pressure. Now I don't know how many of you know if you've ever been in an airplane. But I realized, I never knew this before. And I was, I don't know where I was flying to. Probably Nicaragua. That's the most place I've ever flown to. And I had bought a new watch, and it gave you elevation. Well, we had climbed, and we climbed, and we climbed. And I knew that at 30, around 30,000 feet, they kind of level off. Well, we had leveled off. And I look at my watch, and it still says 7,000 elevation. I said, this watch is no good. I paid money for this watch, and it doesn't work. Well, I have a friend who is he's retired now, but he's, he's, he was a pilot for one of the airlines. And I was telling him, he said, oh, yeah, we keep that cabin pressurized. If we got over much over seven or 8,000 feet, you'd start passing out and stuff. All this stuff would start happening. I didn't know that. And I'm like, wow. So, and it can even cause psychological problems. It can cause all kinds of things. Sluggish thinking, hyperventilation. I didn't know that. You know, I always just knew that was an annoying noise that you hear on a plane. I do have a set of, of um, ear things now you put on and it cuts all that out. So I, I was, you know, thinking about this. I, I didn't have as much emphasis on pressure as I did after I heard this from David Jeremiah. He shared about a fish that was discovered, I think, in the early to mid-2000s. It's a deep trench snailfish. How many of you heard of a deep trench snailfish? 
I hadn't either. Listen to this. I'm going to kind of read a little. Um, I went and researched it. It says, pressure is as high as 15,000 pounds per square inch, equivalent to a large elephant standing on your thumb, and 11 times greater than atmospheric pressure at sea level. This is where that fish lives. Is that a lot of pressure? 1,100 times greater than sea level. It's near freezing and there is no light. And this fish is the size of a human hand. And God created him to survive and live in that atmosphere. I want you to hear this. This has hit me like, I was in the middle of, oh Lord, why do I have to go through this this week? Why, you know, why couldn't this be Easter or whatever? And this, and this, and, and it was just like, wow. And how good is God's timing? I mean, it's just so awesome. I, I can't hardly tell you. So, this little deep trench snailfish is designed and created a certain way by God. It has a flexible skull and flexible bones. And this fish produces distinct chemicals that stabilize their constitution. So God created them so that the pressure inside of them would be greater than the pressure outside of them. So they could live. Think about that for a minute. You know he created us? He knew what we would have to go through. Jesus went through everything we would have to go through. And he made another statement. He was reading out of, I think he got a National Geographic. It says, they can live in comfort with all this pressure on the outside of them because of the pressure on the inside of them. Hmm. So I want to talk a little bit about how we can create the spiritual pressure on the inside of us so we can live in a world with all the pressures on the outside. <laughs> how can we do that? Did you know God created us so that we could live under pressure? Because he knew there were going to be pressure. He knew there were going to be circumstances. He knew there were going to be things happening. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9 says this. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. Snailfish. <laughs> At times we don't know what to do, but quitting's not an option. We're persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but not out. You know, you've heard me say before, we need to be like those little bouncy things you could hit, and they hit the ground, they pop back up, and hit the ground, they pop back up, no matter how many times you hit them, no matter how hard you hit them, no matter how hard they hit the floor. Well, that's what we need to be. And with Jesus on the inside of us, we can be that. There's a guy named Bill Gothard. Some of you may remember, he was, he was a, a, a great leadership teacher back in the 70s, I think, maybe 80s. He made this statement, pressure motivates tension disables 
So pressure is the action of a force against an opposing force. That's what pressure is. Anything that's opposed, it's against. Um, you know, we have so many things that work off of pressure, and the pressure changes. Um, your car has that, you know, power steering. You turn it one way and the pressure, it's this pressure buildup has fluid in it that keeps that pressure right and you turn it and you turn it. Um, back when I was coming up, there was not many cars that had such a thing. And some of the older cars, the steering wheels were about this big around. So you could turn them because they were hard to turn, especially sitting still. Once you got going down the road, it wasn't too bad. So tension is the inner striving, unrest, or imbalance, often with psychological indication of emotion. So we need to, to, to learn, we need to fill ourselves, and, and I'm going to talk about that in a moment. So how do we pressurize our inside so we can stand the pressure on the outside? You know, God created us in a certain way. God created us to withstand some pressure. But if we don't have the right fluid on the inside of us, if we don't have the right pressure on the inside, if we don't have the right thing on the inside of us, we won't be able to stand that pressure. It'll collapse. Just like that little snailfish. If it could no longer produce the chemical that it needed, So I think that's what happens to a lot of people without Christ, without God, without the Spirit of God inside of them, without the Word of God inside of them, they collapse because they have nothing to push against the pressure that comes against them. And haven't we in the last couple of years had some pressure? <laughs> a lot of pressure on us, against us. The word press means to advance or carry on vigorously. Far from backing down, he pressed the attack. To advance eagerly, push forward, to push for something in spite of the odds against it. In spite of the odds against, in spite of the odds against getting this done today, and especially before Monday when the preschool comes in, there was some stuff pushing against it. There were a lot of odds that didn't look too favorable. But you never stop, you never quit. You, you do all you can to work away. Let me read Mark 5, chapter 5 to you, starting in verse 24. It says, Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. Let me say this. If we do things just... We do all that we know how to do, right? We do all that's inside of us to do. And maybe during that time, we didn't know to turn it over to Christ. Maybe we didn't know. But what we have to do, there comes a point sometime when you're like, okay, I got to do, something else has got to go. Something else has got to happen. So, in fact, she had gotten worse. All the stuff she had done, all the things she went to the doctor, she got worse. She didn't get better. She had heard about Jesus. She came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. 
So she had a purpose and a goal. If I can just get to him, I can touch that robe. I've heard about what he does. I've heard about his healing. I will be healed. But guess what? She did it, and immediately the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. She didn't only push through to see Jesus. She pushed through till she saw her victory. I'm sure she was opposed. What are you doing? You know, you have this condition. Quit. You know, just back off. Jesus has got all these people around. Do you think anybody's going to, you think he's going to notice you? I'm sure all these things were coming at her. All the doubts, all the fears, all the pressure from other people. So, and they're feeling this, and they're like, she's like, you know, but she never stopped. She pressed through. She kept in her heart, if I can just touch his robe, if I can just get to Jesus, I'm going to be healed. So I'm going to talk to you about some ways to persevere or some ways to pressurize yourself. How do I pressurize myself? How do I make myself where I can stand against these things pushing against me and pounding against me and pushing on me? First thing is prayer. You have to pray, right? I'm going to spend a lot of time on that, but we have to know. We have to pray. I say pray all the time as much as you can. And I want to say also that we have to take time out to pray. We ought to have, I think I talked about that maybe last week or the week before, I don't remember, about taking a special time out of your day to make sure that you're praying. And you know what prayer is? It's conversation with God. It's not just begging Him for something. It's conversation with God. It's talking to Him. It's telling Him how you feel. It's telling Him, you know, what your needs are. It's telling Him how much you love Him. It's praise. It's worship. It's all that embodied. And we need to make sure we're spending time, whether it's you are early morning or late morning or late morning, late night person, whatever. You, you need to pick a time that's good for you. And you need to say, this is my time to be with God. If you have to say, don't bother me, don't interrupt me, this is my time. Turn your phone off. Do whatever. And speak to God. And if it does happen to ring a buzz, just, it's okay. It can wait. Believe you me. You know, before they were all these cell phones and stuff, it, all, a lot of things waited until <laughs> the time was right. So we need to pray. We also need to pray in the Spirit. The Lord gives us. Uh, the, the ability to pray in the Spirit, to pray with His Spirit, to allow His Spirit to pray in and through us and pray for things that we don't even know how to pray. Sometimes for things that we don't know what it is we're praying and we don't understand what we're praying, but we know it's for somebody in a specific time. Praying in the, praying in the Spirit. Romans 8.26 in the Passion says, In an assembly way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or know the best things to ask for, but the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs too deep for words. In Ephesians 6, 
18 says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Pray in the Spirit all the time, on every occasion. Stay alert. Praying like this keeps you alert. Be persistent in your prayers. In other words, be persistent in your praying. Don't just wait and pray when something goes wrong. Because chances are, not God will answer all prayers, but I'm just saying, if you're constantly praying, you know exactly what to pray. You know, I believe we pray for things ahead of us. Things that happen. That's why there's angels protecting us. There's things that happen. There, 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 there are things that, that, that we um, um, avoid because we're in prayer ahead of time. It's, it's never good to wait till the last minute to pray. It's never good to never pray until something happens. Because I'm going to tell you, it, you could have maybe even stopped that beforehand. In Jude 1, verse 20, it says, But you, my delightfully loved friends, constantly and progressively build yourself up on the foundation of your most holy faith by praying every moment in the Spirit. Do you know that you can pray all the time? You, you, you know, you don't have to pray out loud. If you're in the middle of doing something, you're just walking out. You're praying in the Spirit. You're praying inside of yourself. You're, let, you're praying all the time. You can pray going down the road. You can pray while you're shopping. You can pray while you're eating. Whatever. You know, there's times when you're maybe in a discussion with someone, you need to be praying in your spirit. You need to be praying so you have the right words to say to that person. Another thing is have others, believers, agree in prayer with you. Have them agree with you. And I will say this. I'm careful about this. Make sure you know who's praying with you. Because <laughs> some people don't even know how to pray. I won't go way into that, but all I want to say is know who's praying with you. Choose people who believe. That's why I don't put everything that happens out on social media. I hardly ever put anything. But what I'm saying is I want people praying with me that I know know how to pray. <laughs> you could put it out there and they'd be praying to Muhammad or something. You don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> Romans 15.30 says, That's why I plead with you because of our union with our Lord Jesus Christ to be partners with me in your prayers to God. My dear brothers and sisters in the faith, with the love we share in the Holy Spirit, fight alongside me in prayer. In other words, join with me. Let's fight this thing together. You know, you ought to have somebody you can pick up the phone and say, look, you need to pray with me right now. we we got to fight this thing. There may not be something necessarily happening right then, but there's something going on somewhere. Sometimes you just know in your spirit you need to pray for somebody. Lord, I need to pray for, for uh, Ray. I need to pray for Betty. I need to pray for my wife. I need to pray for Peggy. I need to pray for my children. Whatever it is, that you need to be in tune. That's why you need to be full of the Spirit all the time. You need to be constant in prayer. So you can hear God when He speaks. 
And you know, I've said a hundred million times probably up here, but you don't, you can't hear, you don't necessarily pay attention to a voice you don't understand, especially when they're telling you to do something. That's why you need to know God's voice. So when he speaks, you say, yes, Lord, I know that's you because I'm familiar with you. That's what prayer does. That's what communion with God does. That's what staying in the Word does. That's what praying in the Spirit does. It allows you to know the voice of God. And then here's another thing that you may have to do, and that's to fast. You know, the, um, <clears throat> some said to Jesus, why don't you fast like John the Baptist did? Or why don't you fast like and Jesus? And why don't your disciples fast is basically what they said. And he said, they don't need to fast while I'm here. But when I'm gone, they'll be fasting. Right? Well, I don't want to fast because I don't like to eat. Well, fast something else. But if you really like to eat too much, you might want to fast that. Fast things that scream at you. Right? When we do our yearly, well, Fasting water. It stood the pressure of that. But <laughs> when we fast in the first of the year, we all choose things that we need to fast. And um, what fasting can do is it can clear your mind out to hear God. It changes you and not God. It changes you to be able to hear God and to be able to do what he says. So w sometimes we need to fast. I don't know that you need to fast all the time, but you need to take times of fasting, especially when, when you know that, you know, the, the Word says that some things only come through prayer and fasting. So that might be something you need to do, you know, about a certain situation or, or whatever it might be. And the next one's a big one. It says Study. You know what we need to study for? We need to be pressurized with God's Word. You know, what's on the inside of you comes out. And you ought to be so full of the Word, is this just waiting to come out? And when something happens, that's what comes out. Not a bunch of other stuff. Not a bunch of doubt, fear, and confusion. Or not a bunch of words that you don't even need to utter. But when there's pressure, God's Word comes out. When something happens, God's Word comes out. So you need to study. We need to be stu students of God's Word. Joshua 1.8 says, Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, and you will be sure to obey everything written in it, and only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. So what this is saying here is study. In other words, this ought to be what you meditate on. You should study it, and it says you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. You, if you study something, you know what it says. You know how to react. You know how to do it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. 2 Timothy 2.15, and I'm reading this out of the Amplified, it says, Study and do your best to present yourself to God, approved a workman tested by trial, who has no reason to be ashamed, accurately handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. Especially if you're going to teach. <laughs> if you're going to be a teacher, you better be studying the word. 
You can't teach what you don't know. Right? You want somebody to teach you how to put something together that's never seen it before? They're going to be just like you. You're going to be clueless. And you're going to make some mistakes. You might put it together wrong. So you need to know what the Word says. When you get into a situation, you will know what the Word says about your situation. Because God knows everything, and everything is in His Word that you need to live by. So know what the Word says. Listen to this statement. I don't know where it came from, but I thought it was good. It says, sadness finds its way in when you meditate on what you don't know. Think what I'm saying. Joy finds its way when you meditate on what you do know. In other words, when the time comes, let me put it to you this way so you'll understand what is being said here. When the time comes and something is happening, you try to meditate on something you don't know. You can't really meditate on something you don't know. That's why you need to know God's Word. That's why you read, need to read. But if you do know it, then the joy comes because you can meditate on what you know. Do you understand what I'm saying what they're trying to say here? is meditating on what you know. Meditating on God's Word will bring you joy. You get joy in the midst of turmoil. Joy in the midst of sadness. Joy in the midst of all these things. So... So far we talked about praying and fasting and studying this, studying. The next thing is to keep the goal before you. Keep what God has told you before you. Just like this, this, this woman did that had the issue of blood, she kept her focus on what she was going to do. Not what was going on around her. Not that the fact that there were thousands pressing into Jesus. None of that. She said, I, I, she picked him out of the crowd, and she headed that way. Even though she couldn't stand up straight to see him. She headed that way, and she knew she couldn't grab up to him. She said, but if I can just touch that robe hanging off, if I can just grab hold of his clothes, or to his prayer shawl, as some versions say, if I can just hold, grab that, then I'm going to see victory. So she kept that before her. Not what was going on around her. Not what had happened in the past. Not any of that. She kept her eyes on the prize, you could say. So you need to keep the goal before you. You need to stay focused. on the on your, And that's your vision to victory. Is staying focused. You say, well, you don't understand what I'm going through. No, I don't. Because I don't even know what you're going through. But I do know that if we keep our eyes on the prize, on eyes on what God has said, eyes on victory, we can see the victory. But we can't ever stop just because things are getting worse or harder or getting, you know, whatever. When we were trying to pull this carpet up over here, you know, we went on this side in an hour and 11 minutes. Darren and Robert and I had this carpet up and gone. Like, man. So you kind of think, well, this other side, this is going to Then we started. Woo! Then we called in a couple young guy recruits, Kevin and Matt, 
and James came in, and I mean, we're pounding and pulling and grunting and screaming and thanking Jesus <laughs> for power. And you only do it so long, and then we'll, we'll convene tomorrow. <laughs> So, so keep that goal, keep that vision, keep that victory. The Old, Test, the Old Testament meaning for victory is this, a goal, something that glimmers and shines. So the, it implies a beacon that shines in the future that draws you ahead. When we've got a purpose and a goal that God has given us, we keep pressing toward that. It shines in the darkness. It shines in the, off in the distance, and we keep that. And that's what we're headed for. As I said, no matter what's falling around us, no matter what might be caving in around us, if we're pressurized with what we need to be pressurized, it can't destroy us. You know, I was thinking about how it said that that, that fish had flexible skull and flexible bones. Well, we have to be a little flexible. When, when things are pushing in on us, we've got to be able to be and if. If our bones are hard and brittle, it's just going to pop them. But that little fish swimming around in the bottom, I wish I'd have got a pic. I saw a picture of it and, and, and let you see it, but I didn't. And it's swimming around. It's in there. And um, the pressure, that's that much pressure is pushing on this little fish. But he's flexible. You know, we don't have flexible bones, right? We do a little bit when we're younger, but the older we get, the less flexible they become, right? Then you go like, so keep your eyes on the goal before you. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14 says, I don't mean to say, again, I read this at the beginning, but I'll read it again, that I have already achieved these things, or that I have already reached perfection. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling me. So here we are in the midst of this pushing through. And we're pushing towards that goal. And we're going towards what, what God has, has shown us and has called us. And we're reaching out and we're going forward, right? You know, when maybe we're making some progress, we're like, man, this is going. But I want to tell you something. The enemy don't stop. I'm just going to give you a few things. <laughs> the enemy will raise up against you. Did you know he'll come against you with certain things? See, he, he knows the buttons to push. You know that? He's going to come against me with something. He probably might not come against you because he knows it won't affect you, but it will affect me. You know, if you have children, he's going to try to come against them. That will affect you. 
There's a lot of us here can raise our hand. We know well what that means. Your grandchildren, your family, um, other things. There's so many things, but we each have things that mean more to us than the other. And so the, the enemy knows what button to push. And he, he knows if I, maybe he's tried a lot of other things in your life, but he's not ever going to stop trying something. Maybe I can get to him with this. Maybe I can do that. Maybe I can get to him with this. One of the biggest things I find out, and we experienced this, I did last week, is something called weariness. The Bible says don't get weary in well-doing. You know, there are, um, wow, so many times, so many things that come against us. And, you know, you kind of like, really? Again? Again? Let me tell you what the Word says about this in Isaiah 40. This is a familiar scripture that's used a lot. Starting in verse 27, it says, Oh, Jacob, how can you say that the Lord does not see your troubles? Well, let me stop right there. How can you say the Lord doesn't see your troubles? So this is, you know, Jacob's kind of, you ever been like, Lord, do you see what's happening? Do you understand? Do you not see this? And you're not. Sure, nobody's ever been there. Jacob was there. Lord, can't you see? Oh, Israel, he goes on. How can you say God ignores your rights? How can you say God ignoring me? God, you don't see what's happening? Can't you just take care of it? And then he goes on and says, Have you ever heard? Have you never understood the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. So he's not, he doesn't grow weary taking care of you. He doesn't grow weary when you grow weary. He's still there ready to roll. You know, one day I think we, we'll have that kind of body. Praise the Lord. We'll have that kind of full developed spirit within us. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. You ain't got no clue what he understands. You don't have a clue what he knows. You can't even me- it says you can't even measure it. There, there, there's, not, there's no measuring stick that we have that can go that deep. Think about it. When you think about this fish Deep in the it's in the deepest part of the ocean. We can't even fathom that probably in our minds how deep that is. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. So it doesn't matter how weak you are, it doesn't matter if your strength is gone. If you feel powerless, he can give you strength. He gives you power and strength to go on when you think you can't. And I want to tell you something. It's not only for us old people. Older people. 
He says, even youth will become weak and tired. Even you young guys. If you kind of remember back, we got weak and tired when we were young. Maybe you don't remember that far back. And young men will fall in exhaustion. He says they can even get so tired they fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. When we need it, we find new strength. Um, I was going to say something about new strength. As I was going through this week, you know, I'm getting home late. And the only night I thought I was going to have rest, something else came up. <laughs> and I'm doing the similar thing I was doing here. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. I need strength to do this. And then I wasn't sleeping well. I was waking up early. And then, you know, and Saturday comes and I had to get up just as early. I had a full day yesterday. But you know what? I found that God gave me strength to do that. He gave me new strength that I didn't know. Sometimes you don't know if it's in you. Sometimes you just... And you know what? It wasn't just physical strength, but it was mental strength to do it. You know, when we get weak and tired, there's a mental stress. There's mental, mental weariness that comes upon us, and it's hard. But see, when we trust God and we, we look to Him, and when we decide, okay, Lord, this is yours. <laughs> I ain't trying it no more. I'm giving it to you. And guess what? He'll give you that new strength that you need. And then it says they will soar. Okay. He'll give you new strength. He'll help you find, the Lord will find in when we trust in Him, when we put our trust in Him. You know, sometimes ahead of this, people are, they're putting their trust in everything else and in their strength and in their ability, and they find out they can't do it, and they're weary. And then Isaiah says, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They'll soar like, soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So what's the bottom line? Trust in God. Put your trust in Him. This is how you win the battle over weariness. Trust in God. Faith in God. Put your trust, put your faith in Him. I'm going to stop there this week, and I will finish this next week because i got a good bit more, but I feel like this is a good stopping place. We need to learn to put our trust in God. We need to learn to trust Him when nothing else works. It's good if we can learn to trust Him ahead of time. Find out His way and His plan, how you do this and how I need to do this. But we are not good at that sometimes. Right? Sometimes we're just not good at that. We're just like, okay, here we go. We need to learn to be pressurized. We need to learn how to allow God on the inside of us through His Word, through His Spirit, through prayer, through studying, through all of this, that we have enough pressure on the inside of us. We're flexible enough to go through what we have to go through. Not that you don't feel the outside pressure, but you're able to build up enough inside pressure to push out. You know, when you're, 
the tires on your car full of air? Hopefully. And that, if you've ever picked up a tire, they're heavy. The rubber's thick on them. It's, it's a big thing. And, but you know what? That little air compressor you got builds up enough pressure, and when it gets to a certain point, that tire starts moving because it can't take, it has, it can't take that inside pressure, which becomes greater than the outside pressure, and it fills up. And, you know, you could just keep pumping it until it blew up, and it would blow up, Right? You know, people make mistakes on, like, tires on lawnmowers and stuff. They'll say, not over 10 pounds. Well, people just pump them. Blue. Why did it pop? Well, you can't put 60 pounds in a 10-pound tested tire. It won't work. So when we, if we try to fill our stuff with the wrong stuff, but I hope that if I explode, that Jesus comes out, right? Good things come out. So we need to put our trust in God this morning. You know, I want to, um, like I said, I'm going to end with this trusting in God. Next week we'll pick it up and, and we'll go forward with it. <laughs> and I pray, you know, as, as I was thinking, and, and you know when I think, sometimes too, I think about what's going on in my life and then I look at what's going on in someone else's life. And I'm like, Lord, I don't even know. I don't even know. Because I, I start looking at the little things going on in my life, and I'm like, you know, that's not fun, but that's not what so-and-so is going through right now. What the pressure is on them. What's awesome is when you see the Spirit of God rise up in people. When I think about, uh, we kind of mentioned it this morning, our meeting, Ray mentioned this, and I was saying, you know, people just got to understand that it, this got finished last night, and so things haven't been able to clean up. And Ray's like, well, you know, if they just go to Nicaragua and think about their, their worshiping on a dirt floor and we're concerned about a little dust. True. And I think Darren, somebody mentioned, and they don't have air conditioning. A lot of times they don't even have a fan. And for some reason... When, if I'm there, I don't know if they do it all the time, but when I'm there and get up to preach, they turn the fans off. We're going to make this American sweat. <laughs> and believe you me, I do. So, we think about somebody else's challenges sometimes, and it makes ours look small. You know what the thing is, too, is when we have God on our side, when we are, we are pressurized with the Word and the Spirit, then we can handle it. We may have those little times of weariness, those little times of kind of pulling back, but we jump out. And that's what happened to me this week, especially yesterday. Last night, as I went to bed, it be, I began to thought, you know what, what, what is your problem? Because you know what? One thing I know, God has never failed me. And I know that sometimes when I have the worst struggle about my sermon, I realize that what have I got to be concerned about? If I'm trusting God to speak through me, He's going to give me what He wants me to say. And you all know how many times I've stopped and said, you know, I can't do this today. i got to do what God says. Listen, guys. 
I don't know what your struggles are. Let's stand this morning. I don't know what your struggles are. I don't know what you might be going through. I don't know what stage you're in. But I do know one thing, that if you will fill yourself with God's Word and with His Spirit, you can carry on. Patty, you can carry on. I don't know what all, I, I just saw you and the Lord said, speak to her. God's going to give you wisdom and witty ideas. I don't know what that means to you, but he's going to give it to you. If you keep, just keep your eyes on that, on Jesus and on that victory, he's going to do it for you. He's going to do it for you. Guys, it's so good to see you. God says the same thing to you. I don't know what's happening in your life because, you know, I haven't talked to you in a while, but I want you to know something. God says, I got it all together. And I'm talking about the Browns again. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your grace and your mercy and your strength. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the opportunity that I have to stand here and to share your word and to share what you have to say. Father, I just thank you and praise you for what you have in store for every person in here. I thank you, Lord, that you give us wisdom and strength and guidance, that you give us peace. Lord, that you show us your ways. Father, that we would open our hearts and we would listen to you. Thank you for that, Lord. I thank you, Father God, for your protection upon us. And I thank you, Lord, as we come back together next week, as we see each other, we will have learned some, something else this week in you. And I give you all the praise, the glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. family it's been nice having you with us you have to be back in two weeks